This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back. I'm back, and I don't sound quite right, <laughs> but compared to last, like literally a week ago, I spent 36 hours and didn't say a word, which for me yeah. was one of the most difficult times of say, my life. Really difficult. You, you had a rough go at it. Yeah, for and sure. your voice, it's gone through the ringer, man, but yeah, I'm glad you're back, back and I know all I'm of here. your listening are as well. So we have got so much to discuss, Yeah, we do. but we're diving right into some news that we discovered about colors Yes, and how Fiat will no longer offer great gray cars because they should paint every car in a nice color. Did right? you see the publicity stunt where they dipped a silver car into a big bucket of paint? Did. But but I hey, did. you know, even if it's a goofy publicity stunt, no more gray cars. There's enough gray car. Other people are going to make them. If you like gray, there's other companies out there, but of all the companies, I'm really glad that Fiat did this and I'm thrilled it happened at all. I would love it if they called and asked us for creative color naming schemes and, and color names. You're very good at that. I, I It's one of my favorite things to you're, do. It's, you're really good at It's like a it. side hobby. Mm-hmm. I should yeah. just start naming colors. People start. People send us random photos. And actually, <laughs> here's the thing. It happens internally. Like Chance and Mandy and Grady and other people that yeah. are connected to the show yeah, yeah. will send a random photo and be like, what color is this, Paul? And it's always hysterical. <laughs> I try. We should share. Yeah, for I sure. I try. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll call. Maybe they'll start doing that. Also, there is some cool news from Mercedes introducing their Vision 111 concept that harkens back to their C111 from the 1970s. Which this, was really cool. It was really cool then, but this is the, the concept to introduce all of the new cool tech that they're working on. Yep. And I'm very encouraged because they could have introduced a lot of tech and shoved it into a sprinter van and said, hey, all this stuff works and here. Well, it's we just, have tech. It's yeah. in, a, in a van or some other SUV. But no, no, they had to design a cool concept around mm-hmm. it, which was the whole point of the C111, that original concept. So mm-hmm. manufacturers are still producing and pursuing their tech as associated to beautiful, sexy sports cars. Which is very intriguing to me and very encouraging because you know that all these people that work at car companies, they're car enthusiasts too. Hopefully. I mean, Mercedes, if you would like to offer your next AMG GT with a manual, we'd be good. <laughs> Just We would be happy with that. We'd be fine with it. The company across town from you still offers manuals in mm-hmm. many of their products. Mm-hmm. Just saying, you know, they're like... They're like 20 minutes away, just across town, really. You could just say, hey, well, they, they're doing it. They're doing it, huh? Well, and I wonder if you can sample one of those. What's that like? What's exactly. the manual like? The manual in like. your Mercedes you had, which was not designed to be some sporting manual, no. was great. So great. It was really good. So what if they could just, you know, the AMG GT with a manual off to the side over here, and then all this cool new technology like they're talking about with, uh, oh, with a lot of battery technology and mm-hmm. motor lightweighting technology, which is very interesting because all these CEOs are thinking about lightweighting EVs, but they're doing it with sports cars. Mm. And right now there's there's got to be things that get out there to satisfy what people are buying. Hence the EQE 500 that we just recently had. There will be a test drive video coming on that. But by the way, 
come to discover that Mercedes EQ naming convention might be dropped in the future. They're not in love with it, apparently, and they might just <laughs> change it. So don't get too used to the EQ describing everything, but also it's confusing because there's the EQ E sedan and the EQ E SUV. Of course. Same with the S. But then remember when Infinity decided to remake to it and then specify. Cadillac decided to remake it? You got yeah. folks. Once people latch on to your naming convention, oh, you can't change. It's not set in stone, even though it kind of is because this is what cars are being sold as. My name is Todd. I'd like you to call me Bob. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but still, I'm very encouraged that this has dropped into a very slinky, beautiful, interesting, gullwing door-shaped orange thing. That it's awesome. It just looks gorgeous. And yeah, a lot of technology being pursued in that vehicle. I would like to see more manufacturers pursue their technology and introduce new ideas well, inside a beautiful shape. They understand that sexy still sells and still gets yes, gets eyeballed. Does. Because you're right. It could have been in a Sprinter van, which is a big seller for Mercedes and comes in every possible variant you can imagine. But who wants to look at the new cool Sprinter van <laughs> as a headline know. photo? They don't. <laughs> but this is like, wait, have you seen this? So we like this. This is all good things here. You know, colors. Manufacturers just wanting to paint their cars in cool colors. Yeah. And other manufacturers wanting to pursue future tech wrapped around a sports car. This is good. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer as well. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches. These are the safest ways to wash your ride. If you need to get the bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. There's also tar and sap remover if you parked under a tree. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products all together. Whether you need a starter car care kit, or you're breaking out the foam cannon, or you're detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. A good topic Tuesday came to us from Ted Adam Green, who is essentially saying, haven't we been here before? And then he breaks down a cycle that's a little bit scary after he does it. <laughs> he says it's the late 90s and early 2000s. We've got the Integra and Civic Type R, the Mustang Cobra R, the Mitsubishi 3000 GT VR4, Celica GT4s, the 2JZ Supra, the Nissan ZX, Mazda RX-7 FDs, the Evo uh, 9, Acura NSXs, Honda S2000s. He says cars got so much better and cooler, but also more expensive and more unattainable to the average buyer. I noticed that you just named all the cool, fun sports cars, the, the halo cars of that era. But they, but they were the, this was a golden era of amazing cars. Yeah. Well, Ted writes that many enthusiasts had to pass on them 
I mean, even your 300ZX, when it came out in 1990, it was not inexpensive for what it was. It was 33 or so, the twin turbo, when, when they first introduced like, it in 90, ooh. and it was almost touching 40 in the last year they sold it here. And the Super had a bigger problem. The Super started at like 36 or 38, and the last year they were selling it, it was like 50 plus, depending upon what you did. It was still sort of this aspirational thing, like I can't quite afford the twin turbo, so I'll get just the non-turbo version. And I mean, there were a lot of things going on. There was the yen versus the dollar. There was a change in economics worldwide. There was you know interest rates things but this is ted's point doesn't all that feel familiar (laughs) well he says the cars fell away despite their greatness but now here it is we live in the future it's 2023 now (laughs) and we've got a similar wave of epic special cars like the gr corolla the hyundai n's anything n from Mm -hmm. hyundai yeah the civic type r and integra type s this, the GR Supra, the GR86, the Nissan Z, the forthcoming 7th generation Mustang and GT, Acura NSX that are hard to get in, but not not in all cases. And then, of course, that additional dealer markup that is yeah. a plague at this point. So will these cars be unattainable to the masses and likewise fall away despite their greatness? Wow. What can we learn from the first time around? Ted writes, do we realize they are, in fact, actually worth the wait and the added price? Do we just bite the bullet because they're worth it in the end? Mm. Or do we learn from the very first time that no car is worth the hassle and increased MSRP price, much less the additional markup? Do we learn instead there are other cars that are equal or close enough to scratch the itch that are much easier to get and a better value? Like, well, you know, good condition used performance vehicles or reasonably priced new cars like Miatas and WRXs and EcoBoost Mustangs and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, may- maybe. Subaru's not really doing an M- uh, uh, STI version True. Uh, of yeah. their WRX right now. I mean, yeah. they might come out with it, but they've made noises like, nope, I think we're good. The GT yeah, I think is it'll as be much electric as you get. at best, yeah. As, you, as I was reading, Ted, this thought struck me, and it's a thought that horrified me when I was still in tech, about 2016 or so, and we were working with IndyCar, IndyCar the organization. And all this time, up to that point, I just thought, race cars exist because they should. And I was working with one of the aerodynamicist engineers because we were doing some visualization of, of aerodynamics for their team, for, for Indy Racing League, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of promo and that kind of thing. And he said, you know what? We, we exist for entertainment. Mm. And mm. that's it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to put up a fight. I wanted to say, no, 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 you're wrong because, uh, uh, hmm. well, because race cars, race cars <laughs> should just exist. And because they're awesome and fun to drive. <laughs> sure, and yeah. no, I, I guess you, you got to have a lot of money to conceive and design and build and race a race car at that level. And huh, there's not a lot of prize money. If, even the winning teams, you make some money, but mm-hmm. it's not really why you get into it. It's because they're cool, right? Well, I guess it's just because everybody's entertained by watching racing. And then I thought of Le Mans, which is a bit different category because there is a lot of crossover. There is the sure, endurance sure. factor and car companies also use that for marketing because look, our car lasted the duration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You should buy one because it has the same badge on it as the car that was... <laughs> actually purpose-built for the race. Very little nothing the to same. do with a production car. Very little otherwise is the same. But did you see that the badges match? Ooh, the badges right. match. And then I thought of Formula One, and there is some trickle-down technology. There has mm-hmm. been throughout mm-hmm. the years. Not a lot, but there has been. And so I'm thinking, all right, Formula One, well, it's got to exist because that's it's like the space program. I mean, that's where Velcro came from, right? That's why we have Velcro in our jackets, because of space travel. And We're going to race so we can discover more Velcro. 
food in a toothpaste tube. And, well, no, we're not going that far. But still, you know what I mean? And it was just shocking to realize racing exists for the entertainment of everyone watching. That's why TV rights are so important. And that's why mm-hmm. you want to pour money towards that. And that's why all, all the teams split TV dollars, TV ad revenue. So then I applied that to cars. It's been an ongoing realization and in conjunction with this Mercedes concept that was revealed. I'm thinking to myself that all these high-end expensive sports cars, they don't really need to exist. Do they, True. Do they? They don't. They don't. I, I want them to exist. I think they need to exist mm-hmm. for the purpose of existing. But it comes back to what you just mentioned with this Mercedes concept. They didn't do it in a Sprinter van. Because the attractive, sexy-looking sports car is the thing that makes us all turn our heads and go, what are you doing now? As it was put to us recently, human beings' fascination with beautiful sports cars and speed mm-hmm. will be unending. Yep. And therefore, how is that manifested in a car? And the aspirational nature and the fact that the reason all these 911s and Caymans and McLarens and Corvettes and all these amazing cars exist is really to pull money out of the wallets of people who can afford them. And that's kind of it. Now, it does proliferate in terms of some trickle-down technology to the road cars. Mm -hmm. Hey, the technology we've invented for our cool sports cars, our halo cars, you can find that over here in our Q3. Mm -hmm. But the reason R8s existed was to bring you into the showroom. Yeah. Not really anything beyond that. Yes, they're fun to drive, beautiful to look at. They're aspirational, cool V8, mid-engine but that's the only reason is to get you there. Like, oh, they make that? Well, I could I, I could have a slice of the pie by buying a Q5. I, I'm sort of there. I'm yeah. almost there. I'm I'm, re- I'm related to the car I really want. Yeah. <laughs> and and I really want it. And it has to be good. They can't just, you know, make a cardboard cutout of a cool thing. Look what we can do theoretically. No, you have to put, pour the dollars into execution. Fernand Piche determining that Bugatti should have this halo thing. Mm-hmm. Did and so, world, should, so should Volkswagen with a Phaeton. Well, yeah. Did, <laughs> did the world need that? No. Mm-hmm. But it sure makes me want to aspire to that. And, well, we've got other cars in the portfolio. We've got other brands here. They're kind of close to that. Oh, you can't afford a Bentega? Have you thought about a Cayenne? <laughs> <laughs> Arguably better. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> It is better, I think. But still, I just saw one today, so it popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I'm thinking to myself, all these amazing cars exist so people can spend their money on them Mm -hmm. and they're great but that's really the only reason they exist to drive them fast drive them hard use them not to sit in a garage but to be used but that's but you want to pay your money for them so it's this sort of never-ending circle it's the yin and yang it's symbiotic too yeah it's the only reason they exist and and it's hard to wrap my head around that because i think they should exist because (laughs) because well, but there was never a reason to ever make small, interesting cars uh-uh. other than, well, this is cool. And, and look, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go way back to wagon or ship thinking. Why make a tiny little cabin wagon with one seat and no structure? Because it goes faster. <laughs> the wagon you need is the one that carries your whole family. <laughs> Why make a Corvette ship? Why make a sleek yacht when you could just have an ocean liner because you can carry more stuff? It's still a boat. It's just a boat. It just floats. If if the point is to get from here to there across the water, shouldn't we take the biggest thing possible? 
What about the fastest thing possible? We're just, as humans, we're obsessed with that. Look at that shape. Look at the speed. Look at the involvement and engagement. And I'm just, I know, I know it's weird to anthropomorphize these structures, but I'm attracted to that thing. That's, that's something that's inherent in people. Okay. If you want a plow horse, you get a Clydesdale. If you want to go fast, you don't. (laughs) True. Okay. We're going to breed a different horse for that. That's true. Okay. So. We're obsessed with that reality, but I think there's something else going on here, Ted. And I love that one of the things you mentioned about the cars you listed in the 90s, early 2000s is almost everything you listed was a Japanese car. Oh, funny. That was the Jap. Now, the Corvette ZR1 of that era was awesome. We love it. Yes. Okay. The 911s of that era were also very good. You didn't list those. But what's interesting is the ones that were the standouts, that were the attainable cars, the Japanese car market came in slinging elbows and went, look what we can do. And everybody from Ferrari to Chevy was like, uh-oh. <laughs> You're right. You know, and, and because You're right. Look, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go one further. Remember the, the 90s, early 2000s Honda Preludes? Not designed to be a sporty car. Great to drive. Great, great cars. And the cars steering on The cars that weren't supposed to be sexy and fun from the Japan were still sexy and fun. <laughs> You're right. The whole industry was put on notice. The problem is, with all the changes going on in the market then, as far as, like I said before, the yen versus the dollar, the interest rates, all this kind of stuff, everything, everybody got priced out. Some of that is happening again now, but I think there is a fundamental difference right now, which makes these hero cars right now, I think, more worth the stretch than they were in the 90s and 2000s. In the 90s and 2000s, it was just a business decision. We're here, we're making cars, we're gonna make ones you notice, we're showing how awesome we are, Mm, okay? okay. But now the difference is, all of these companies, whether they're doing it all in, or half-hearted, or while still looking over their shoulder, all of these companies are looking at the next gen being electric of whatever. Now, I still stand by the fact that there's gonna be some backpedaling there's going to be some some range of power offered in the market. I don't think it's going to be an all electric world. I don't think don't think it's going to happen by these these limits. But all of the car makers for their sheer survival and also for their PR departments and their perception in the market are all looking toward electrification. So these hero cars we're having now most of them, not all, most of them have a little either public asterisks or private asterisks behind them that is get this one now cuz it's the last. Yeah. And the one I really think of yeah. is the Civic Type R. There is let, let's be let's be honest for a second here. I'm talking about a Honda Civic. Okay. Now we all think Honda Civics cost twenty thousand dollars. By the way, they don't. <laughs> Actually, no, none of them no do. car really costs twenty right. grand anymore. That's the first thing we have to all get over the hump on because I feel like we're all kind of in mass. All of us. Welcome no to matter, Mitsubishi. How may I help you? Yeah. No matter what car you're buying, we all are living in prices from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they've moved on. The average price of a new car right now is over 40 grand. Now, in order to do that, that this means volume cars are selling around 40 grand. I understand that there's cars in the millions that, that offset the average, but not very many of them sell. When the average price is over 40 grand, it means the average car, your five seat gray CUV, is probably costing around 40 grand. Yeah. We all, as enthusiasts, yeah. want to think, well, I mean, all the cars I want should be $25,000, $30,000. They're just not. I'm sorry, they're just not. We have to, and, not and this hurts, but we have to get over that first hump. Mm-hmm. Now, back to the Civic Type R. Why is every Civic not 20 grand? Well, that ship has sailed. 
I'm sorry, <laughs> but it has. Around the world a few times. But now we have a Civic Type R that is 45 grand. That seems insane. Isn't that BMW money? Isn't shouldn't I be able to drop to buy this? Honestly, I'm I'm speaking for all of us. Yeah. Shouldn't I be able to buy a BMW M3 for forty five grand? And the answer is no. Nope. You can't even get an M2 for forty five grand. Okay. M2s so the whole the whole market has pushed. Yeah. So we have yeah. to accept that. But the second thing is now you have markup, which I feel like is borderline criminal, and it really really bothers me. But this is where we are. Mm-hmm. The Honda dealers are not being nice about it. They're marking up those cars. However, whenever we've driven the Civic Type R and whatever we've heard from Honda, I have gotten one underlying hint. Okay. There's never going to be another one like this, and they were given a little bit of a blank check. That is the Civic Type R throwdown. It is the what would you like, sir, engineer and designer, and Honda went, okay, we'll do that. It feels that way. That car feels that because way. Because of the reason. In a way, the GR Corolla does not. The GR Corolla feels like a fantastic variant of the Corolla that they always should have made and is awesome and is worth it. And I would buy one and drive it happily tomorrow. The Civic Type R feels like, okay, all right, it's your last birthday party. What would you like to do? Now, the uh, next one, I think, will at least be electrified. It might not be electric, but I think it'll at least be electrified because everybody is looking that way. So we're at this era where we just talked about it publicly with the Lotus Amira. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lotus has said very publicly, this is the last internal combustion engine car. And it feels like a throwback car. Not throwback pricing, but it feels like a throwback car. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay, It's not way back. Exactly. The way back machine for pricing. Exactly. <laughs> all of that is current, but all the tech is old school in yeah. a great way. So it is, it is kind of, there is a last gasp going on here. But I think there's a second thing that the manufacturers haven't thought of yet that I do think will come around. If all of us buy up these last of the breed cars. Uh-huh. Give it 10 or 15 years when all the manufacturers have done everything else and they've decided how electric they're going to be and what's really going out. And all of this madness shakes out a little bit. They're going to go, what do people really like to buy? Not need to buy, not buy in mass. What do they like to buy? You know, the last time we made good sports cars, we sold them all. There were bidding wars. Our dealers did price markups. They got, they Mm. were worth more the day they went back on sale used. This is why the Supra came back, folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because there was a surge in used interest. Yeah. Because they looked backward and went, that really was successful in re- in review, wasn't it? Also, Hollywood kind of influenced the Fast and Furious. Yeah, kind I of cannot thing. believe there have been ten of those movies. There's going to be eleven. How is it possible? That, sorry, I'm going to stop for a second. Do you realize, dear listener, that the Fast and Furious series has been going for twenty years? Shocking. Fast and Furious as a movie series has been going for 20 years with the original actors essentially telling the next part of the original story. (laughs) Long-running beloved TV shows have not lasted 20 years. I mean, The Simpsons is an exception. They are the only major exception. Pretty much the only one I can think of, really. Anyway, sorry, Fast and Furious, (laughs) 20 years of... That anyway, but <laughs> of all that. yeah, of all of that. But but I think that if we buy up these cars, if we clamber over ourselves, as much as I don't want us paying market, if we clamber all over ourselves to show manufacturers this is special, this matters. Mm-hmm. Then when the manufacturers stop their charge toward electric CUVs and they stop for a second and look around, they're going to go, those sold well, didn't they? 
And we have a car that may never come again. This is the reason I hang on to my Lotus Elise. Yeah, I love that car, yeah. but I'm aware of the fact that the minute I sell that, whatever I buy will not be like that day again. Ted, I think there's another shift going on as well, because none of the cars you named were the super duper high-end sports cars. I mean, mm, you didn't really mm -hmm, talk about mm -hmm. Lamborghinis and Ferraris Absolutely and super true. crazy, like, well, yeah, I want it, but I can't afford that. Yeah, yeah. There's been an even bigger shift, another huge step away from the enthusiast cars that are kind of attainable. Because everything you mentioned, even though it's kind of not, it, these are this is now the new attainable. They're intended to be attainable. That's that's the concept. When you're building on top of a Civic, it's not supposed to be right. something that a Lamborghini guy buys. Right. Theoretically. I've, had, I've got this list going, and I haven't known Ooh. what to do with it until now. Your list guy. I like it. And that is all the cars, the super crazy hyper cars that are being built. They're either in existence or they're being conceived and designed and built mm -hmm. for no other reason than to pull crazy money out of ridiculously wealthy people's wallets. Mm. There's the, the low end stuff that you've heard of, you know, like the Lamborghini Terzo millennial and the Mercedes AMG one and you know, the very common Mercedes, <laughs> the common sorry, sorry, Mercedes AMG one. <laughs> it's, it's just another one. I'm at cars and coffee board. Cause exactly. another one pulled in the ultra common McLaren speed tail, the, very boring Bugatti Chirons, things like that. You know, mm. the, you've heard of them, they're around, like whatever. But, but I know where you're going because where you're going <laughs> is going to make those cars seem mass market. <laughs> they are mass market. Then there's the ones you've mostly heard of, like the Pininfarina Batista mm -hmm. and the Gordon Murray T50 and T33s and so SSC cool. hypercars and Rematch Neveras and Celine EV supercars. There's that Lexus electric hypercar. DeLorean Motor Company is back. They're dabbling mm -hmm, with things. Mm -hmm. The 21C from Zinger, the father-son duo in Los Angeles, that 2.9 liter twin turbo V8 strong hybrid power plant with a seven-speed sequential automatic, automated manual transmission and all-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, that thing with up to 1350 horsepower, 1,350 Because, you know, if you have below 1,000, you're just, you can't even go get groceries in that car. Uh, Dallara's and Brabham's and Ascari's and Weisman's and Vector's and Aspark Owl's, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. This list is huge. It's so big. Then there's the almost pushing 50 cars that are so obscure, you might not have heard of them at all. It took me a while to curate this list, and I'm still digging. So if you know of something, then let me know. But I believe this list is getting towards comprehensive because I've got the Van Wall Vanderwell 1000 on here, and Mazzanti Automobiles, and Estrema Fulminea, the Italian EV hypercar. <laughs> And Donkervort F22s, the De Tomaso P72, oh, and the P900 V12 Le Mans hypercar. Have you heard of the Yang Wang U9? I have not. Or the GAC Aeon Hyper SSR? Or the Praga Boema? There's the Aerial P40, which might be considered a little bit common, but not the Dendrobrium D1 hypercar. That was unveiled back in 2017 at the G Geneva Motor Show by Vanda Electrics in Singapore. And how about the Bertonian and ACA Italian Mobility Company building the GB110? Mm. It Almost 50 cars on here. The Draco Dragon, 2,000 horsepower quad motor EV. EV. Well, I'll, I'll go you one tangential from where you are. And that is the updated, and I hate to say it because I, I think it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a shredding your reputation, but the updated, the new Countach. The new Which is essentially Countach. an Aventador. 
Yes. But you make an limited edition and you sell them all out instantly because people with a bunch of money that are not going to really drive their cars will buy that car. And from think about it from two sides. From the collector's perspective, I have one and you don't because I have crazy money and you don't. Right. So I will buy one and I don't care what it costs. From the manufacturer's perspective, I hate to say this, it's a body kit on a car they mass make. <laughs> mass so, produces in quotes. But, but, but the reality is <laughs> the amount of profit on that car is almost complete. Whatever they're yeah. charging is almost entirely profit. Yeah, and that's the, all... the unfortunate thing about this is a lot of these super special cars, to your point, they're pulling money out of people's wallets, but they're also pulling huge amount of profits. We may have sold a half million RAV4s this year and we made a lot of money on them, but the profit margin was a couple thousand. Right, right. You know, Or we sold 50 of this car and we made millions per car. I still look at this list. I'm going, what? Why do these exist? Like the Deuce Vienne EV supercar with 2,243 horsepower. Does anybody need that much horsepower? No. Nor will they have any idea what to do with it. And it will probably be Where used to trundle into the collection and be turned off. And once a year turned on, trundled out into the sunlight and back in. Only out into the sunlight under a shade, mind you. With great fanfare. Mm-hmm. Plus, nobody should buy a car called the Yang Wang. I'm just going back yeah, there. Yeah, no, I No, I don't agree. do that. Yeah, don't do that. But still, all of these, let's put way off to the side. They will continue, and maybe there's some trickle down, but many of these are such small manufacturers, that's all they make. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. pursuing additive manufacturing and yeah. new lightweighting technologies and carbon fiber manufacturing and really great technologies, but those won't trickle down to a, a RAV4. <laughs> They don't make Rev Force. They won't. <laughs> so therefore, they're way out here to entertain the super hyper rich people. Mm-hmm. But those aren't the real enthusiast cars, type Ted, like you've mentioned. That's a good point. And those enthusiast cars will always be made, I think, and employees at car companies and CEOs will always want to make the cars that are sports cars. They're not designed to really make a bunch of money, like the GR Supra. That wasn't like, this is going to be the bread and butter of Toyota. No, that's the RAV4. No. no. What a great sports car that's attainable for many, many people, satisfying the driving enthusiast mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. that most people can get, probably within their lifetime. If not right now, you can you can aspire, you can attain to something like that. Corvettes have always measured up to that. I mean, I mean we're kind mm-hmm. of getting away from that now with the... ZR1 flavor, whatever that's going to be, but that's yeah. going to be way out in outer space in $250,000 land or more. Well, you can't touch one for under 120 if you can get a list price. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really encouraging to me. The fact that, yeah, we're in this renaissance, but there there may be the, the last of, and that's the reason. That is the, mm-hmm. well, this is the last of, the last of the best, the last of this, you know, this kind of combination, this configuration. But that doesn't mean those cars are ever going to disappear in whatever, in some kind of configuration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Personally, I think some manufacturers will renege. They'll be like, you know how we said that was the last? We're going to build another one because I think so too. It's actually making us money and people like to buy it and it's a really great car. That's the key thing. If we all buy them, I think manufacturers will recognize the fact that if they want to get some fanfare, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you're never getting fanfare from another gray five-seat CUV. It could be the best. solved a gray problem. Yes. It could be the best one ever, but you're not going to get sexy photos and fanfare from you made another one of those, but you do the new NSX, Honda S2000, you do the new Evo, whatever it is. The reason that you have 
haven't heard about Mitsubishi at all, except kind of in passing and we're laughing about it, is because they sell cars that are cheap and not that good. But if Mitsubishi announced the brand new Evo next week, we will be talking about it on the podcast next week, and we will be late to the party because all the people that are doing car news will have completely buried the internet and commentary. Yeah, but that car will pull people into showrooms. Yes. The new forthcoming Hispano Suiza Carmen Ballone is not pulling me into the Hispano Suiza dealership. I don't know who that's for. You're standing at the corner going, no, 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 where is this dealer? Could you explain it to me? It's I'm not sorry? on Google. The Hispana dealer, where the is what? it? Don't you know? <laughs> These cars will continue to need to be made. That Honda S2000 pulled people into showrooms like crazy. And then they found out it was like $32,000. And you're like, Maybe I could have one of those. And at the time, it had a start button. Nobody did. Do you remember that? Yes, it was great. That, that was like the first time I saw one. It may as well have been a fighter jet. I was like, it's got a start button. <laughs> you can use a button to start. And now it. I get into a car with just a key, and I'm like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> I like keys. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I think car manufacturers will still build in some kind of powertrain, whatever configuration they decide, whatever technology they're pursuing, that is the trickle-down technology. That is something they're wanting to try out on their customers. But it's got to be good mm. because they're going to want to have a fun car to drive and sell it to people who want something fun from their, their brand. That is what sells cars. That is what elevates companies in people's mind. And this is where the technology comes out and we try this new technology and maybe it's great. Maybe they come up with some lightweight hybrid and mm. man, it's great to drive. It's fairly lightweight and you know, it has a bunch of cool new tech in it. And that is what sells cars. And Hey, that tech, you know what? That's available over here in our five seat SUV. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Well, that's interesting. It's like that guy I knew that legitimately, I mean, good on this salesman, but that guy I knew that really, really wanted a 911 driving experience. <laughs> yes. But he needed a four door. And the salesman went, well, Porsche makes that. And literally, in about an hour, had sold him a Panamera. I mean, that's a brilliant move. It's exactly what they're supposed to do. 911s aren't going away. Caymans aren't going away. Supras, and, uh, they'll, they'll go away. Not. They'll be revived. They'll, they'll come back in some different configuration. But I don't think the fun cars are going to completely disappear. Mm. The, the aspirational, attainable ones. Because all these crazy ones, they're going to be way out there. I mean... Gordon Murray comes out with something new and we're like, sweet, I'll never see one, yeah. let alone be yeah. able to afford one. So what's the point? What? Mm. How does that affect my life? It doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's cool that he's doing it and proliferating that, but what's something I can buy? Car manufacturers aren't ever going to forget that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Random side note, you don't realize how much you communicate by talking until you cannot talk. <laughs> Sorry, man. I went through, uh, it we, was we've both been hammered. strangest 36 hours of my life. I know. I was just like, I'll give you an example. You let the dogs out. How do you get bring the dogs back in? You call them. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm standing out there like an idiot, snapping. How about a cheese wrapper? Dogs are looking at me like, and? The, the lightest hint. I got to call my wife or my son to come in and get the dogs to come in. It's the simplest thing on the planet. Just the lightest sound of a cheese wrapper being opened. That's I thought about going to get some fast food. 
How am I going to order? Am I going to show them a listing? Am I going to type it up on my phone? <laughs> Here's a screenshot. Anyway, sorry. Just side note. You, you don't, you don't <laughs> realize how much you communicate like that until you can't. And suddenly you're stuck with your notes app on the phone. Like, would you read this, please? It's true. I needed to wear a little pad around my neck with a little golf pencil. <laughs> Hang on. It. Hang on. <laughs> Timothy H. in North Carolina is wanting to replace a Macan and a Boxster. Why would the Porsche products leave your garage? I'm not well, sure. Well, who knows? Well, Timothy is a dedicated podcast listener. Thank you, Timothy. Really appreciate it's it. very cool. He Thank recorded you. every TV show, but their horrid internet precludes him from watching many YouTube shows. You know, most things are on the internet now. You might want to improve your internet. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. Especially if we're working This home, situation yes. is not getting, not getting worse. It's getting, yeah, anyway. Timothy is asking for help to replace two of their current vehicles, which is a 2013 Boxster base automatic bought for 17 grand in 2018 now with 45,000 miles and their 2020 base Macan certified pre-owned now has 33,000 miles after buying it and having it for about uh, three years. Timothy writes one is the weekend fun car. The other is the wife's commuter car and he leaves it up to us to guess. <laughs> so you're saying you're commuting in the Boxster yes. and the fun car. You've the fun got car is the, is the on the roof of the Macan. Uh, yeah, the weekend that's exactly fun. what he meant. Paul. Good job. Right. Both are on factory 20 inch wheels. Timothy drives a 2020 Silverado 1500 6.2 max tow for his job. He is self-employed property maintenance, and he will be replacing that truck with a ZR2 2500 HD mid-2024. And he says they hope to be retired in five years. Okay. By the way, as a side note, there was a guy in my neighborhood who claimed that he bought his last truck ever. I know. And it was a Nissan Frontier. He's like, oh yeah. And, and he's not that old. He's like, mid fifties or something mm -hmm. like that. And he's like, this is the last vehicle I'll ever buy. And I'm going, buddy, uh, you know, life is longer than <laughs> you could, the life of your you truck. could live 50 more years. So just this year, I see him in a new, uh, a new Ford. <laughs> yeah. Is it his second to last now? Is he counting the other way now? Are we counting like, back up again? I remember that. So don't ever call this your last vehicle, but I do like that. You guys want to have something you, you want to have it pretty sorted. Because he and his wife, they drive 50,000 miles a year between them, and the, his wife shares half since she's the work from home since 2020. They've had a lot of cars. He sends a list of a lot of cars. Mm -hmm. I won't read them all, but the ones that stand out are all the Audis that they yep. have owned. What's also interesting about this list, I have never read anyone's list, and this is a broad list. Thank you, Tim. That most of them he liked. He, he gives his listing of what I liked or did. so many of them say loved, freaking loved, loved this, loved that, loved this. The, the, I have never seen a list of people's cars that has so many cars that they actually truly loved while they owned them as this list from Tim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'm counting five Audis on here. Timothy writes that his choice of wheels, leveling kits, exhaust, duckbill, and vinyl graphics and other mods have led many people to stop them and ask them what they're driving. They're not immune to buying something that is attention-getting. Especially the current Boxster, a previous, a previous owner, he says, has a set of graphics on the car for some company that gets all of its information from a Russian website, so whatever. So we're not supposed to check that. We're supposed to stay away. Yes. So they want a better ride, more tech, and a bigger cabin than the Boxster, but still a convertible and fun. Timothy likes C7 Vets, and his wife hates them. She likes C8s. Timothy thinks it's <laughs> he hates those. I yeah. love that discussion. That just makes me laugh. His wife wants a lot of tech, something fun to drive and comfortable for her daily, and it must be an SUV. I think I 
do have that sorted. And uh, like your wife, Todd, mm-hmm. uh, she wants a height, a tall yeah. height in a yeah, vehicle. Yeah. Wouldn't hurt to have a little status due to her position, but but doesn't need to be ostentatious. Now, the budget with this trade sell program that Timothy is inventing is 50, <laughs> 50 to $70,000 for his wife's car and about thirty dollars to $50,000 for a fun car. Okay. I can have ten grand over, but they'd like to find their love on a smaller budget. Their dream car is an Audi R8 Spider, or something that is the complete opposite. <laughs> Not like this at all. <laughs> a 1967 Camaro Resta Mod with patina. Okay. They're not really brand averse, Timothy writes, but he's Ford phobic and can't ever see himself owning the brand. So they are brand averse, is what he Generally writes. Generally not, except for Ford, is kind of what I'm hearing, yes. An EV is an option for his wife's daily, although she already suffers range anxiety. And they're uh, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. They love to spend a weekend day driving in the mountains of North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia. They've driven tail of the dragon, the back of the dragon, the front of the dragon, the rear of the dragon. <laughs> the dragon has been covered. We've yes. driven it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, this could be a separate discussion, he writes, about being car influ- influencers because they're not necessarily outgoing, but their cars are outgoing mm-hmm. since they've inspired multiple neighbors, their kids, and their friends to mimic what's in their driveway. Like a muddy ZR2 begat muddy Jeeps. Mm-hmm. And then the Q7 begat Mercedes MLs or BMW X5s. And then the lifted diesels begat other tuned diesels. And the Boxer begat mini convertibles. You get the idea. <laughs> I love it. Timothy writes, as of the, uh, the date of the email that he wrote to us, this weekend at a convenience store, a soccer mom came flying into a spot beside them and said to them both, my son loves cars. Can you wait a minute so he can see your Boxster? So Timothy and his wife let him sit in it and talk to him about what makes it different from other cars because he's a Camaro and Mustang guy. Okay. But this key sentence at the end of Tim's email is that he feels like it's a responsibility to keep people, young or old, inter- interested in ICE vehicles or really any vehicle. Mm-hmm. Love that, Tim. Enthusiast vehicles. That's that's the key thing, yeah. It, here's We've talked about this before, kind of tangentially. We talked about the fact that I, it's even in our intro right now. The, the reality is that most people are one really great car away from car love. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, if if all you've ever driven has been the family minivan or a remarkably average or bland five-seat CUV, why would you like driving? There's nothing wrong with those vehicles as get-you-places vehicles. is what they shine at. But there's no reason you would actually end up liking driving. We see this. We do our Utah meetup, mm-hmm. and people fly into town, and they rent something they've never driven before, and they walk around for two days kind of starry-eyed like, Roads like this exist? Cars like this exist? What? Where am I? What's going on? If all you've done is commute on a grid system in yeah. something you didn't like, to be on a mountain road in a convertible or a fun driving car is practically a religious experience. And this is the reason that we do these meetups. It's the reason that we share this stuff because that changes car love in a big way. For sure. Let's see, there is a postscript down here. He says, the Titan GTI and Boxster elicit such a strong reaction from oncoming traffic, like all the ricers and Mustangs rev at them, so it's hard to keep count. How do they see Tim and his wife and think, you know, to like neutral rev a congratulatory or condemnation thing at them? He couldn't drive a Jeep or ride a Harley because his wife is constantly asking if he sees people wave. (laughs) He just doesn't notice. He rarely does. Tim's not even aware. I am still deciding, Tim, on your sports car replacement. Uh, maybe something will come to me. I might talk my way there, but I know what to do for your 
your Macan replacement with fifty to seventy thousand. If you decided on the same one, I did. I know exactly what your wife should buy. It is an accurate MDX Type S. That's very good. I didn't go there, but that's very really. That's really good. I mean, that thing has gobs of power. It's the Type S flavor, the MDX. The seats are brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seats seven, but it doesn't drive like it seats seven. It doesn't drive big, and you put those seats down, and suddenly it's a really great cargo space with five passengers. You sit up high. The tech is great. I think the body kit on it makes it look really interesting. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal SUV. MDX Type S. Those are 73 new, so slightly used. We're in your range. That's what I think you should get. That's very good. That's very good. Lots of power. I have a different one, but that is a very good one. one And I landed on just one, too. Okay. Tim, your wife needs a Genesis GV70. That's good. That's also very, very good. With your $70,000 budget, you can just go get one. Get the upper level trim with the, what is it, 3.3 liter turbo engine. Get it loaded out. Pick your color. Pick your interior. That is a phenomenal SUV. You're coming out of a Macan. I think you will like that every bit as much or more. It is Macan sized. It drives wonderfully. Honestly, the number one reason my wife and I didn't get one, well, two reasons. We didn't want to spend that much. That's a big reason, but... (laughs) That's a valid reason. But because it was a new car with a warranty, we were, we were talking about it, okay? Yeah, yeah. But the main reason we didn't is because it's more Macan-sized than Cayenne-sized. And considering my son has recently passed my mom and my wife and is gunning down the rest of the adults in the family on yeah, his way to be as tall as me, we needed more room in the back seat than that, that allowed. Kid, but that's not growing. your situation. So the GV70 is the play. I toyed with that Mercedes GLE with 48-volt mild hybrid system. Or mm-hmm. I was thinking about Very cool. some sort of SUV from Toyota or like an X3 M40i, which we really do like. It's mm-hmm. great to drive. But that MDX, that is my choice. That's very good. Over here on the sports car side of things, I was thinking about Supras and GR86s just because they're attainable for that budget. And there's so much dang fun to drive they for are. all the parts of the mm-hmm. Dragon you're going to drive all over. <laughs> Whatever Any piece that. of Dragon Anatomy, that car will be fun. Yes. Exactly. Currently driving on Dragon Anatomy. That's where we are. But then you said convertible, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering why a newer Boxster manual transmission isn't on the table. Because you have a base automatic. How about something with more more power manual sure, transmission? Sure, sure. Just wondering. Which led me, of course, to a 911, but mm-hmm. I don't think a convertible is for you. I think a Targa I wondered is about for that. you. Really? I, I, here's the thing. I'm not really a Targa fan, and I think the Targa, especially the current Targa, I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant. I think the current Targa is just a nostalgia play. Yeah, it they did pulls this money out of people's super wallets. Super elaborate yes. roof. There's no point for it to be that way. However, the 997 Targas that had the, the 4S body kit on them oh. and the huge sliding glass panel, that's one of my all-time favorite 911s. That's a good one. That, well, I don't know if that's quite in your range, but... It maybe it's on the upper end. He's 30 to 50. It's on the upper end. Yeah. Okay, we'll say upper end, but you also mentioned that you guys aren't as outgoing as you like your cars to be. Mm-hmm. That's a unique piece. That's not just any 911. Yeah. That's a very curated choice. Yeah, it is. And still a lot of fun to drive all the parts of the Dragon. So I, I'm landing there. <laughs> I don't always recommend a 911, dragon. but when I do, you're serious about it's it. It's a Targa. That's very good. You're talking about a big, bigger cabin and a convertible for fun. I think it's funny that you want a C7. Wife hates it. <laughs> yeah. She'd like a C8. You hate it. So funny. Which made me land on the car that I think is exactly your car, except it's out of your budget. But I want to start here. Okay. Because you drive a base Boxster auto. Yeah. You don't go to the track. 
You're not trying to find a car that is the most powerful thing ever that you can drive at the edges of itself, but you want to enjoy a nice back road, have a car that makes people look, a car that has flavor, that's nicer to be in than your Boxster. Yeah. You're eyeing Corvettes and you can't agree. Yeah. Folks, this isn't your budget, but your car is the LC500 from Lexus. Oh, that's good. That's but your it's car. Not the budget, you're right. So the problem is that the that the hardtop, which I think is a, is one of the best looking cars being sold right now. The hardtop, you can get them for around 70 used. 70 to 80. So I'm already way beyond your budget. Unfortunately, the convertibles <clears throat> they're recent and they're rare and they're over 100 grand. But yeah, but it's the LC500. It's gorgeous and sexy. But I really do think if I Taking, I, I know, look, we blow budgets all the time, and I'm going to come back to Earth in a second, but taking what you actually want, the LC500 is your answer. LC500 convertible and done. What's okay? the cheapest LC500 out there? But it's not going to happen. So I did think about the 911 Cabrio. I love that you went Targa because the Targas are really cool if you get the right one. Some of them, I think, again, I already said it. Some I think of them are Targas goofy. are like Targas can be cool. I, I do like yeah. that. I, I see your new Boxster. That's interesting. I thought of get an Aston Vantage V8 convertible. The problem is you're you're yeah. going to have a nicer cabin, a roomier cabin for sure. There's no question about that. But it isn't going to be, it's not the latest and greatest. To get into your budget, you're still going to be an early 2000s car. But okay, you're in an Aston Vantage convertible you'll now. weep tears of joy. That car is so cool. It looks great in any color. Please try to get it in a color, even though they... Aston Martin really, 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 really wants to sell those in silver and gray. Yeah, they do. They really do because because they are also assuming that the, what's going to get out of that is going to be James Bond in a perfectly tailored suit on one side and some amazing woman in a bright, colorful dress. By the way, this is what happens in movies. That's why the car's not a bright color. You can't mute her dress. Okay. You're right. Anyway, my point is back in the world of reality where we want people to look at the car, get it in a color. I'm just saying. So Aston Martin Vantage is is an opportunity there, and then I have a little bit of a. A wild card because I've always been surprised at how these cars don't hold their value, are fun to drive, have a little bit more room than the Boxster, mm. which means you can get a more recent one, and that is the BMW Z4. They're sweet. Remember the Z4 after my generation that had the convertible hardtop? That was even slinkier looking? Yeah. Yeah. Those cars came and went. I actually think it's a great looking design. Those cars came and went, and they weren't beloved, which means you can get them now for a good deal. Get one in yellow. I've seen they them had, in yellow. Yes, they had a good yellow. They had a really good blue, too. Yeah. So the BMW Z4, look around on the Z4 a little bit because that's one of those cars that didn't hang on to value very well, but they come in lots of convertible options. And because you don't see a lot of them, you're going to turn heads in that car, too. I don't mean the current Z4. I mean one gen back. Mm. Not the one that's built on the super platform, the one prior. BMW Z4, a bit of a wild card, but look at that as well. Tim, you've got some decision-making to do. Some call him Tim. If you've got a debate like Tim and his wife, write to us every day, driver TV at gmail.com topic Tuesdays, car conclusions. Most of all, that's right. Your car debates. What I find funny about being gone for a couple podcasts is that I feel like people have been storing up track daily crushes. Yeah, they have. And now that I'm back, they're like, let's do weird ones. <laughs> There's great weird ones here. I'm going to start with, I think the weirdest of all okay. Anthony Zerg on Facebook, the oddball <laughs> edition. The Carver One. Now, if you haven't seen this, it's an enclosed motorcycle kind of sit-down motorcycle shape. I had to look it up. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. And it has a back. It has the, this idea has been around since like the '90s, but this current one is an all EV. Think of it like just the cockpit of a fighter jet, just the cockpit, mm -hmm. nothing else, with little back trike wheels and a center front wheel. But when you turn it, 
it leans. Oh yeah, that was the so thing. the Carver yeah. one, the Mini Moak, which is like it's like you crossed one of those can't breathe very well little pug dogs with an actual Mini Cooper. That's what that is. That's what the <laughs> Mini Moak is. Trouble breathing. That also has trouble breathing. And the Plymouth Prowler, which yeah. is one of those love it or hate it designs, but it was a big thing. Up, I know where up. I stand. Yeah, I know. So okay, those are the three. Carver one. Pr- Plymouth Prowler and the Mini Moak Track Daily Crush. I can answer this actually. Okay. I'm crushing the Mini. I have no use for it whatsoever. It's unattractive and I don't want to be seen in it. I don't want to drive it. It's not a track car. You can have an unattractive track car, but this isn't a track true. car. That's true. So that's gone. I will daily the Prowler. I'm not excited about necessarily dailying the Prowler, but at least it, it it's a conversation starter. I'm not expecting much from it. <laughs> and stopper. <laughs> and stopper, yes. You have a prowler. All right, I'll see you. Okay, yeah, gosh, uh-huh. look at the time. So yeah, there's a prowler. I'll, I'll, I'll daily the prowler, which means, because what I want to do is I really, really think it'd be hysterical to track the carver. And the prowler is not a track car. No, it's not. If you can take those bumpers off the front, they were just so nasty to meet the regulations. <laughs> they just, they suck. But just the idea, uh, here's the thing, autocross the carver. That'd be a riot on three wheels right there. Huh. Autocross, yes. Big track? Hmm. You just can't be out there with the Miatas. Safety third, right? (laughs) I got a helmet. It's enclosed. I've got a helmet. It's not a convertible. I'm not wearing it because I can't fit in the canopy with it on, but (laughs) it's back in the paddock. Sean MCL326 on Instagram asks, for the best advice for a car enthusiast getting their first car. Mm, I like this. How much power and how much is too much for a new driver? And how do you decide if you want to go for a manual? You want to go for a manual. The the life skill of it. And here's the thing. You'll be six months in and you'll be like, I'm so glad I did this. Yeah. The first six yeah, months, yeah. You, you may have days you hate it, but your learning curve is going to be fantastic and get to a place where your proficiency is excellent. Look, Sean, we've talked about this before, and that is insurance is your primary consideration because mm-hmm. you can say, I want a 400 horsepower car, five or 600, you know, it sounds great, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the really fast guys are keeping up and... Miatas, mm-hmm. those are still fast track cars. So I'm not saying you want to consider track driving yet. You want to be, as a new driver, you want to have something that engages you all the time, that you're not going to be trying to steer with your phone. Yeah, yeah. That it is a manual that is small and lightweight and engages you and you learn fundamentals and you learn something about driving feel and steering and road feel in a car so you understand what that's like. Because it's one thing to just master driving school. It's another thing mm-hmm. to have a car that now you want to just go for a drive because mm-hmm. that's excellent. So it's got to be inexpensive to start with because insurance costs are going to be high for whatever brutal, you get. So brutal, power brutal. is out at this point. doesn't matter. But ideally something smaller. If you can take a course in driving that is beyond the driver's edge. And that will benefit you in insurance too. It will. Anything that's beyond that, some HPDEA, mm-hmm. yes. anything... Yes. You're going to have to kind of look around and, and see what, what is close to you and, and what your options are, but it will be money so well spent, mm-hmm. you will not regret it because now you're understanding dynamics of the car. You're understanding when I do this at a high level or a high speed, oh, that's that's what that means. You're not just steering around town and trying not to bump into things. Well, and, and here's the other thing that's going on with the horsepower wars right now. We are all being conditioned, and Sean, I can't imagine, if, there, if, this is, if you're like, just getting to driving age, I can't imagine how influenced you are by what I'm about to say. Yeah. Because before you start driving, stats are all that matter. Yes. We have reached a place where if you would like me as a random car enthusiast on the left to pay attention, you better bring a thousand horsepower. 
If you'd like me to look up from my phone and go, what is this now? It better have a comma in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay? But here's the thing that nobody really wants to admit. 200 to 300 horsepower is awesome. It's great. Yeah. If you tell the average person paying attention to stats that your car has 250 horsepower, they will go back into snooze mode. <laughs> Why would I care? Why would I care at yeah. all? Okay? But we're yeah. talking, look, early Boxsters have low 200 horsepower. Fiesta ST, Fiat 500 Abart. Yeah. I'm listing off incredibly fun to drive cars here, folks. Miatas, MR2 Spiders, everything in our $8,000 under car list was essentially 250 horsepower and less. And I would cackle driving any one of them. True. You don't need a big amount of power. You need a car that is going to involve you. As Paul already said, you have got to worry about what happens with your your actual (laughs) insurance because that's going to be terrifying. If you can do the manual, though, go for it. The Toxic Hot Dog on Instagram. Love it. Says, ignoring today's safety and crash regulations and requirements, if we could bring back any mass-produced car back into production, what car would it be? I can't get Ferrari Dinos out of my head. It's interesting because I was going to say the Lotus Elise. We're very related. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, they just, they exist because they were awesome and people wanted to build them and yes. And the Elise was sold in the U.S. on a waiver, a safety waiver. The, the Elise is perfect <laughs> for this. It, it should be. But yeah, my, my choice is Dino. It's very, very similar. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, the Italians did totally. a Elise or vice versa, something like that. Matt Guerra 82 has another track daily crush. He's trying to make me hurt again. He says he hopes I'm feeling better, and I am. He says to celebrate, the track daily crush is all cars I like. Oh. <laughs> All right, here we go. The Lotus Amira that we just drove, like it quite a bit. Uh-huh. The Jaguar E-Type. I don't just love that car, like that car, I love that car. And the Ferrari F40. Oh. But the problem with this scenario is the track daily crush. You didn't say daily weekend and crush. Because the problem <laughs> is the E-Type, which I do love, is not a daily. It's too finicky. It, this is look. This is <laughs> this is a fifty to sixty year old car. Okay, it's not a daily choice. It's just not. around a grocery store parking lot. Like, yeah, careful. Don't, well, but just don't move. Is careful. It, what what is not happy on the car today? I love them. I love them. <laughs> Many things. I, I have like a personal like attraction to the car all the time. I'm near what I'm just like. I just got to go stand by the E Type. <laughs> They're so cool. Okay, I just want to stand cool. over here by the E Type. I have so many useless photos of an E Type. I don't even know how many photos I have of the vents on the hood. That's awesome. Of almost everyone I ever see, I'm like, I should take a picture of the vents on the hood. They're I don't know why. So cool. But I should just take a picture of those. So I love cool. them. I don't want to drive that daily. That is a, it's Sunday and the weather's perfect and let's go out and drive 100 miles in that car. Just pick a nice road. And, <laughs> yeah. So the problem is I have to crush it. Wow. Because I can't daily oh. it. See how brutal this is? And I don't want to track it. The world's most beautiful car. I you love it crushing? so much. I love it so, so much. Also, by the way, I don't fit well. So that makes it even worse as either a daily or a track car. I can't even fit... Just the, the hard top, I can't fit in, period, let alone try to wear a helmet. Anyway, separate thing. So that means I'm dailying the Amira, which would be a fantastic daily. Sure. Because I want to learn how to track that F40. Oh, my gosh. I want to be the guy that shows up at the track day with the F40 and goes, yeah, I'm strapping into that. Let's do a session. People just be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go home <laughs> I'll be now over here. Because, Wow. On Twitter, Old Speeder says, if states like California ban the sale of new gasoline fuel cars by 2025, what effect will it have on the ICE used car market? 
Asked another way, do we think that at current market conditions, will folks gravitate towards EVs or run to the used ICE market? 2025, that's not very far away. And I think it's going to be a bit, be a bit of both. But if that really does happen, then I, I think internal combustion engine cars are going to be in such high demand that you thought additional dealer markup was bad now. <laughs> You'd happily pay those kinds of prices. But there's going to be other car, uh, other people that will be suddenly attracted to EVs. And the market moves fast. As I'm scrolling through news, you know, all the news sites we consume about cars, the car manufacturing industry moves very quickly. And it seems to be accelerating with the amount of tech and manufacturing expertise being thrown at manufacturing mm -hmm. and new ideas being unveiled and Gigapresses being used for the Cybertruck and sure. all this, you know, interesting stuff going on. It moves very quickly and it will continue to. That doesn't mean that the cars are going to be the best built ever. <laughs> well, but the other thing going on is the uh, the PHEVs, the plug-in hybrid EVs. Mm. This is the thing. We talk about electric cars being required. This is the weird asterisk that seems to happen in all those discussions. Okay, that we're not going to allow the sale of internal combustion right. engines. But when you dig into the, the verbiage, it's often cars that are only powered by an internal combustion engine. Right. And that means a PHEV. We've got the uh, Alfa Romeo Tonale in the driveway right Tonale, now. Tonale. It's one of those. Veloce. My, my wife's 2017 e-hybrid Cayenne. It's a plug-in hybrid. Mm -hmm. These are the cars that get in under the radar. So the thing is, uh, because, yeah. because the reality is, if we were really talking as early as 2025, and frankly, as early as 2035, the infrastructure for that many electric cars driving around and constantly getting charged doesn't really exist yet. And I don't know that it will even by 2035. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to have a house to charge in and a bunch of other things that ripple through the grid and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's not surmountable. I'm saying it isn't surmounted yet. So the, the, the trick is going to be that the <clears throat> no internal combustion engine cars mean none only powered by that but i do think that people who there will be people who electric cars work for their life there will always be people there they don't mm -hmm. and those people are going to buy something old and used there are the people that we meet now and then that are like what i want is the oldest <laughs> less technologically advanced pickup i can buy and they go spend a lot of money on an old chevy yeah. from the 90s we meet those people yeah there's yeah. going to be that for the internal combustion world as people move more toward evs I think there's going to be a lot of reneging. I think there's going to be like, there's no, I know a recalculation I said that, but is happening, uh, we're sure. going to have to recalculate here. For sure. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. I'm glad you're back. You need to go rest your voice. I do. Again. But I'm glad to have been here. Yeah. I, I, I honestly missed it. It was very, very fun. It's a lot of fun. Guys, write to us. You know where to catch us now. And we're always working hard. We got a lot of YouTube original content uh, for the original channel in the, in the queue. Yeah, so that's being stuff. worked on. And the proliferation of SUVs, the onslaught of press cars still mm -hmm. continues. So we'll continue to bring you weekly test drive video content. And yeah, that Tonali's coming out. Yeah, we got a lot of good EQE stuff. EQE 500. Mm -hmm. There's a BMW XM coming XM is soon. A, I, I still <sighs> haven't decided entirely how I feel about that vehicle. And you'll see me struggle on camera. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.